Hi, I'm Pastor Kaylee. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Wood Street Chapel in Fortuna, California. You can find out more information about our church at www.woodstreetchapel.org. I've been thinking a lot this week about how do you, as a church, just send somebody away? It's kind of a a difficult thing. It's a, a difficult thing, but it it's also an exciting thing. Um, it's difficult because um, Paula. It's difficult because um, Paula means a lot to me as as a person. She means a lot to me as a, a part of this church. Um, she means a lot to me because she makes really good peanut butter cookies. Um, she just, she means a lot to me. And yet it's exciting because I know that God has amazing things planned for her in Africa. And Paula's departure from Wood Street Chapel, departure from Fortuna, California, doesn't necessarily well, not even necessarily, it doesn't make her any less a part of this family. And so, um, Paul, I'd like you to come up. We're going to, I'm going to pray for you, but then we're going to just kind of make the this time available for anybody else that might have anything that they want to pray. Um, while you're coming, just to kind of, kind of, go ahead and come on up. Right, right here in the blue box is where I need you. <laughs> um, I, I know that there have been questions about how Wood Street Chapel is going to be um, partnering with Paula. And I want to be very clear, we are, are, as a church, going to absolutely be partnering with Paula in multiple ways. Obviously, in prayer, we will be partnering with Paula, um, just in encouragement and, and all of those things. But guess what? Sometimes you just need money, <laughs> okay? Sometimes there are things that need to happen where money is involved, and, and we're going to be partnering with her in that way too. Um, but what, what Paula and I ha- have kind of discussed is that right now she needs to, to get settled. She needs to figure out what is actually happening, what, what her – she has plans. And one thing that I know, and I know Paula knows too, is that sometimes our plans – maybe aren't quite exactly what happens. <laughs> and and so we, we plan to, to the best of our ability, the best of our efforts, but um, I want we want to see what, what Paula needs when she gets to Africa. And so she and I are going to be in communication, and when those needs, when those ministry opportunities come up, that's when we as a church are going to be partnering with her, where we can make sure that, that we're making investments wisely into the kingdom of God in Africa. And that being said, I absolutely want to take an opportunity this morning as we receive, a tithes and, receive our tithes and offerings in just a little bit, that if you feel led to, to give to, to Paula as, as she's uh, heading out into the mission field, um, this is an absolutely appropriate time for us to do that. And, and that gift will go directly to Paula. That's You're coming through Wood Street, but we're not taking any of it. It's something that we would give to Paula. And that's, that's just for Paula to do Paula things, for her to, to just live. And you know you need to live when you're you know, out in the mission field as well. Um, so we, we want to bless her in that also. So that's what we want to do today. Um, but this is not the end. I expect to hear more from Paula over time. We expect to have regular check-ins so that we can all share in what God is doing through her and, and with her in, in Africa and Kenya. And what an awesome opportunity that we have. Paula, thank you. Thank you for um, answering the call that, that God has placed on your life very early on. Thank you for, for being as open with it as you are and allowing us to to be encouraged by it. Um, it's an awesome opportunity for us, and, and now we're, we're sending you out into that. So let's pray right now. Heavenly Father, God, we, God, we come expectantly. 
that is the, the word that just seems so fitting right now, that God, that we come expecting great things, great things in Paula's life, great things in the lives of the, the family that she has in Kenya. God, we, we come expecting you to move mightily in the town, in the city that she is going to be living in. God, we ask that you would give favor. God, that you would, would cause officials to pave the way for her in ways that are just completely unlikely, completely unnatural, but God, that are so natural for you. Lord, we come and we ask that you would create divine appointments in front of Paula, Lord, that you would, would put the correct people in her path so that she can be effective in the call that you have placed before her. God, we ask that you would encourage. Lord, there are going to be times where this is not easy. There are going to be times when this is difficult. There are going to be times when this is something that, that would maybe just not be something that Paula wants to do. But God, in those times, we ask that you would come alongside her and that you would give her strength, that you would give her peace, that you would give her rest. God, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't think you get to leave yet. Uh, <laughs> um, so, again, you know, I can, I can be up here, I can pray, but if somebody else ha has anything else that they, they feel led to pray, you're more than welcome to do it at your seat. You're more than welcome to do it and come up here and grab the mic. It's whatever whatever feels good for you. This is this is where we're doing family stuff, and and, and this is important. I love you. I love you too. We walk together and um, I share with you as you go. And I want you to know that um, I'm going to carry you in my heart and have the greatest hope for you. Barb and I will continue to love and support you. Thank you. I want to I want to pray Lord Lord God we thank you for Paula. Father we thank you for your, for um the call on her life to follow you wherever you call. We thank you that you have given her the love for a particular group in Africa. And Lord Jesus we pray that you would um clear the way. Father that you would surround her with your mighty army. Lord that um she would see your hand. She would see your protection. Yes. Lord, that you would verify in her deeply what you're calling her to. Yes. We pray for the miraculous, Lord. Absolutely. We pray for the movement of your Holy Spirit. We pray for deliverance, salvation, yes. healing, yes. joy. Lord, let her walk be one of joy before you as you constantly fill her. Thank you, Jesus. We love her, Lord, and we bless her in your name. I came nine years ago broken, and you have helped to heal me. Thank you so much. I would not be able to return if it hadn't been for the love and kindness, for the prayers, 
I am so grateful to be part of this body. It's an incredible group of incredible family. And you have circled around me and you have held me up when I couldn't walk myself. I deeply, deeply appreciate the people that I'm going from. And I love the people that I'm going to. And by leaving, I'm not taking away from, <laughs> I'm not stopping loving you by loving them. So please, don't begrudge God's calling because he's the one that is taking me there. And if I get there and I'm wrong, I'll hightail it home. And <laughs> I, uh, I don't know exactly what God's going to do with me, but I've got a great hope. I have great faith that he's going to use me in ways that I haven't been capable of being used before. Um, you know, as, as people have been praying, there is a specific uh, word that, that in my mind is, is more. Um, and you're, you're going with a specific place in mind. You're going with a specific country in mind. And what I would encourage you um, and what, what I think God would encourage you is to don't let that limit you, that there is, is more in store for you than just Kenya. And so whether that means... Uh, other nations in Africa or, or, or something else, I, I think there are going to be growth opportunities that that you are going to be instrumental in in shaping the the lives of of nations over there. This morning, somebody texted me that you're going to Uganda, aren't you? I thought, no, it's Kenya. What are you talking about, Uganda? So perhaps that's part of the word. <laughs> Maybe. Um, so we would uh, just love to spend some time with you. Thank you. Love you. I love you too. Yes. Uh, um, the Lord dwells in the praises of his people. Yes. And Paula is a worshiper and a praiser and a singer, and she just has a heart for praise. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's any coincidence that this morning I came across Second um, Chronicles 20 and the story of Jehoshaphat. Mm -hmm. And he was in a situation where huge three tribes of um, warriors came together and they were going to be in this combat that he knew he was going to lose. So he called all the people together, and the Lord said, um, I got your back, and I'm just worship me. Mm -hmm. And so they went forward and worshiped the Lord, and the Lord won the battle for yes. them. Yes. And they didn't have to do anything. All they did, not all they did, but they worshiped, they watched and they waited, and God was the conqueror, and that's what he's going to do in your life. I've had that happen in the past. Mm -hmm. There were witch doctors that were determined to put me down, and God used those people to wind up giving me praise because of the work that I did for God. And I, you know, we're not used to that kind of culture here but it's very common elsewhere. Yeah. 
Heavenly Father, I lift up Paula to you, Lord. And I just thank you for the time we've had here with her. And Lord, I pray that you would just continue to speak to her heart and direct her path, Lord. And give her wisdom and knowledge and understanding, Lord. And we know she has compassion, Lord. And Lord, I pray for all the gifts of your spirit to dwell within her and that she would just um, use them and open that toolbox, Lord, to minister to the needy and the, the unsaved, Lord, that your kingdom would grow from Paula's steps of obedience. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so it is time for us to receive our tithes and offerings this morning. What would work best is if you have a gift that you want to designate to Paula, um, use an envelope and just write Paula on it. Or if you're going to write a check, just put Paula in the memo. Um, that would be the, the best ways. Say that again. Okay. Um, yeah, we can do that if we need to. Um, and also, if you just use Tithely, there's a way to give a one-time gift, and you can just memo um, Paula on that as well. that has been received, God, that you would multiply it, that you would use it to further your kingdom. God, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. It is time for us to dismiss the kids to Children's Church.
Last week, we started this series on, on the road less traveled, where we started taking time to kind of explore these areas in Scripture that, you know, I don't know how to, to put this more delicately, so I'm just going to say where we might be just missing the point. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that there are probably areas in the Bible where each of us maybe have missed the point of what it is that we're supposed to be getting out of it. There are probably areas of the Bible where we have looked at and say, what does this have to do? What, what, is this even relevant to me today? What, why do I need to care? And last week there was a specific point that, that is important for us to, to remember this morning. And throughout, honestly, I think this is something I'm just going to kind of take with me going forward, and that is that there are no wasted pages in God's Word. There are no wasted pages in God's word. And so the understanding and acceptance of that statement is required for the rest of this to make sense. <laughs> it's one of those things where it's foundational. We have to accept that God's word is true, that God's word is real, that it is alive, that it is relevant to me today. Because if I don't, it is too easy for me to look at it and say, well, I don't need to worry about that because that doesn't have anything to do with me. Yeah, that, that was great for those people. That was great for that time. But the fact of the matter is it's great for me today too. So if there are no wasted pages in the Bible, then what does all of the, the talk about ritual sacrifice, what does all of the talk about regulation for the priests, what does all of the rest of this have to do with me today? And we focused on the point that in the book of Leviticus, which is the, the section that we're studying today, in the book of Leviticus, we see God calling out to Moses. Not just calling out, but pursuing Moses, pursuing the people of Israel because, not because they deserved it, but because he loved them. And so when we, we look at the, the book of Leviticus and we see all of these rules, all of these regulations, all of these things that are just seemingly so foreign, the message that we need to take away from this is God did all of that so that he could be with us so that he could be with his people. The rules that we see in Leviticus, they, they give us a picture of who God is. Because you couldn't have a picture, like a drawn picture of who God is. That, that isn't something that's allowed. We're not allowed to have that. And yet in looking at the rules and the, the regulations and, and what it is that, that God desires, we get a picture of who God is. And in seeing those rules and, and those desires, it gives Israel this framework to follow in order to maintain right relationship with God. Do you want to maintain right relationship with God? Yeah. So what we see here is, let's ask the question as we're kind of picking up where we left off. How are we supposed to respond to God's law. How are we supposed to respond to this direction that has been given? What, what is the response that we're to have? Our, our initial response should be God-centeredness. It should be, if this is what God is saying is important, then I want to do it. I mean, I know that sounds kind of simplistic, but I mean, if that was just the, the cry of everyone's heart, is that if this is God's direction, if this is God's uh, rule and law, then I want to do it. Wouldn't everything be so much easier? So our response is to be conformity. It's, it's to be obedience. We're, we're called to worship. As we look at a huge portion of the book of Leviticus, we see a lot of talk about sacrifice, a lot of talk about bringing offerings. And and what does that involve? What does that mean? It's an act of worship. 
It's an act of coming and bringing something and offering it to God. Why do we do that? Is it because God needed, like, God's, oh, good. I needed that goat. That was super important that I was missing some meat and that. No, that has nothing to do with it. The, the sacrifice is important because the heart behind it. And so we, we see that, that in the book of Leviticus, worship becomes this focus. If you look at a professor, if you, you've been to, to college, uh, one of the, the first day is always just kind of a trash day. That like when you show up in, in school, in, in college, most of the time in most classes, the first day, honestly, you're there for like 10 minutes and you're like, I, I, we're not even going to waste time talking to you for the rest of the time and they send you home. The thing that they always do on the first day is they give you a syllabus and that syllabus Man, you better like frame that thing and like like put it in bronze. You need to do something that that makes sure that you have that for the rest of that school semester because that tells you everything that you need to do in order to be successful in that class. If you have a good professor. If you have a terrible professor, just throw it away and just hope for the best. Why does a professor lay out the specific rules? of the course? Why, why do they give you a syllabus? Why does maybe somebody in the Air Force, why does a squadron commander regulate what an Air Force pilot is allowed to do and not do? Why should an executive chef care about the, the line cooks and how they, they operate and how they, they do their job? It's because they, they don't just care about the final product, but that Throughout the process, the, the people that are under them are doing what's best. They're doing what's safest. They're doing what's most efficient. They're doing what's most effective. That It's not just about how we get to the end. It's not just about the end. Excuse me. It's how we get there. It's the process of, of doing life that matters. And so what we see here in the book of Leviticus is, is it's not just enough to show up and praise. It's the, the, the process that these people are going through. And that process matters. Sometimes rules feel like a burden. I mean, I'm sure we can all go back into our memory as kids and be like, man, I can't wait until, you know, I'm out on my own and, and I, I don't have to deal with all the rules that my parents have and, and blah, 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 blah. And, and, probably had that kind of snotty attitude about it, right? Uh, (laughs) But what do those rules do? They limit damaging mistakes. Yeah, keeping you alive. That that, that would be the extreme, yes. (laughs) They limit damaging mistakes. If the student fails a course, they wasted money. If the student fails a course, they they may not get their degree, but if they follow the syllabus, if they follow the rules of the class, then that allows them to be successful in that time. If a pilot disregards the regulations that their squadron commander has put in front of them, people can die. If a cook mishandles food, people get sick. There are, are rules for a reason. What if God said, I'm going to dwell with you, but you need to make sure you follow regulations. You need to make sure you do things my way, but you just need to figure that out. I don't feel like sharing with you what those are. So if you mess up, I'll tell you for sure. You will know there will be repercussions, but I'm just not going to share the guidelines for you to follow. What kind of God would that be? In Leviticus, God is saying, here is what it is. This, this is what I want. This is what is required. Now, if God established laws that reveal to us what he is like so that we know what we're supposed to be like, then how is it possible that we can arrive at the book of Leviticus and say that that's not relevant to me today? We can't. What we see in the book of Leviticus is, is it's actually projecting Christ. Well, Matt, I didn't see 
Jesus written in the book of Leviticus. What, what do you mean? Okay, just go with me for a minute. So if you read Leviticus thinking, I'm going to live a holy life. I, I'm going to do this. We're, we're going to do this successfully. It's not going to last. In fact, you probably won't even make it through the book of Leviticus thinking that way. We cannot bear the weight of the law ourselves. I mean, and if you look at the entire Old Testament, they were never successful in bearing the weight of the law. It was something where, I mean, they were lucky if they got a few years under their belt. And then there was a failing. But God would always come back. God was, would always make a way for them to come back. We can't bear the weight of the law ourselves. It is only by virtue of our union with Christ that we're able to, to be in front of God. It is, Christ is all of the context in the book of Leviticus. So there's some specific verses that we're going to look at. If we look at Galatians 3.24, we see here that law is a tutor. Paul refers to law as a guardian. And when we think of guardian, Sometimes it's tempting to think of somebody who's like standing with a gun at the gate, like, no, you can't come in, right? But the the term guardian that is being used in that specific verse is, is like a parental guardian. If a, a parent isn't around and the child is taken care of by a legal guardian, it's it's that teacher that, that comes alongside that, that child and, and says, here, this is how you read. This is how you provide for yourself. This is how you, you like, make toast. Um, like, this is how you do life. That's the, the guardian that's being talked about. What do we know about a legal guardian for a child? They're not supposed to be around forever. A legal guardian is, they have a job to do, they have a task that they've been given, and after that job is done, that child is supposed to be able to go out and live their life and be successful in the things that they're doing. The point that we need to be looking at in Galatians 3 is that the, the law is supposed to be like a tutor. Let's, let's use an example. It is a challenge as a parent, to sometimes get children to brush their teeth. And so there is a rule that is in place that before you go to bed, you will brush your teeth. Eventually, what happens, what's supposed to happen, and there's no judgment on any of you, uh, what's supposed to happen is it's supposed to become less of a rule and more of I'm doing this because I know what the consequence of not doing it is. I'm doing this because this is a key to healthy living and it just is a part of my everyday existence. It's no longer a rule in my life. That's what's supposed to happen here. There's supposed to be growth that happens. And so sometimes when we look at the law, we wonder, man, why is there so much detail, like down to how you're supposed to shave your beard? Like, why are we getting this specific, how we're supposed to weave garments? Well, if we're back to this legal guardian, the legal guardian can't, can't just talk to the child and say, hey, you need to eat good. How do I do that? How, how am I supposed to eat well? What, what does that mean? A, a messed up heart doesn't know what it means to do these specific things that are being talked about. Shave like this. This is how you are to keep your skin clean. This is how you're supposed to take a bath. This is how, I mean, that's the specifics that are being brought into light here in the book of Leviticus because they needed that specific. God had to reveal those specific areas of himself to them because that was what they needed in that time. Here is the scaffolding that shows us what it means to be Yahweh-like. And as we start to own that, and as that starts to become something that is second nature to us, we become more and more like him. We reflect more and more of him. But Paul says that we don't need the guardian anymore. We don't need that, that rule anymore because we have Christ. 
Now, he's not saying that the law is irrelevant. He's saying now in Christ, we see what the guardian was trying to do this whole time, what the law was pointing to this entire time. In Christ, we haven't overthrown the law. We haven't just thrown it out the window. We have have grown past it to now where we, we have Jesus Christ who has fulfilled it. That's why in Matthew 5.17, Jesus didn't say, I came to make you completely forget about the law. That, that wasn't what was shared. I came to fulfill the law, not to abolish it. For those of you watching The Chosen, there is a really just cool statement that happens, and I'm not going to give any spoilers. It's, I think it's the most recent one that just came out where Jesus is interacting with one of the priests and just as a comeback, he, he shares. And this isn't in the Bible, okay? <laughs> he could have said this, we don't know. There's an interaction where he's saying, you know, we have to punish you based on the law that's put forth by Moses. And Jesus responds by saying, I am the law of Moses. And, I mean, when you hear that, you're just like, whew, that's a lot. And you sometimes don't appreciate what all that means. But to hear Jesus say that, you know, out loud was just, I don't know, there was something about that that was just really impressive. (laughs) So, Christ is the goal of the law. In Romans 10.4, we have Paul telling the readers that, that Christ is the goal of the law. He is the end of the law, the ultimate purpose of the law. In Galatians 3, the law was, was a necessary guardian, a tutor, a, a nanny to get us to this point where we're all grown up. And, and, now, and now we have Christ. And finally, the law points to worship. In Romans 12, 1 through 2, it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good pleasing, and perfect will. That is the book of Leviticus, right there. In terms of how, to, how does the book of Leviticus apply to me today, it's Romans 12, 1 through 2. If you are reading through the book of Leviticus in your Bible reading journey, in your daily devotional, put that verse at the top, and that will tell you how it is relevant to you today. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Paul from Romans 12 to the end of the book is telling the church how to live. And the reason he waited until chapter 12 to start telling them how to live is because the first 11 chapters of the book of Romans are setting it up with the gospel, are setting it up with who God is, what God has done. That there is a problem called sin that needs to be addressed and we are under condemnation because of it. But what God, has, what has God done about it? The gospel, the good news, the saving work of Jesus Christ is what he has done about it. God establishes his relationship to us through mercy. As I mentioned, we're going to see, as if you read through the book of Leviticus, you will see a lot about sacrifice. We're so far removed from it, but it's, it's not a clean process. Gene, have you ever butchered a cow or done anything like that before? I'm assuming it's probably pretty messy, right? The sacrifices that we see talked about in the book of Leviticus were never clean. It was a harsh reminder 
of what the constant cost of mercy and grace is. And yet, that's the imagery that Paul's pulling out in Romans 12, that we're supposed to make ourselves a living sacrifice. That's the imagery. It wasn't just this clean, like, oh, let me go get a steak off of the shelf at Safeway type of sacrifice. No, this is a messy, kind of nasty-looking process that is so incredibly relevant to who we are today. Our bodies are a living sacrifice now, not a dead sacrifice, a living sacrifice that we have placed on the altar. That is holy and acceptable to God. That's the orientation that my life is called to be. It's it's called to be holy and acceptable. Not what's fun, not what's easy, what is holy and acceptable to, to God. That is, that is my primary focus. That is my spiritual worship. Worship, just like in the book of Leviticus. And so when we get to Romans 12, 2, we, ha- we have this conformity, and I, I'm almost done. Do not be conformed to this world. This world that is going to suck you in, don't let it. I think Paul knew what he was talking about because it doesn't seem like much has changed from the time that he was talking about this to today. The world will suck you in, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do I get transformed? How, how does my mind get renewed? What, how, do, how does this all happen? So that by testing, you may discern what the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You want to live a holy life, how do you do it? You discern what God wants, what is acceptable to him, what he sees as perfect. In the book of Leviticus, he tells exactly what is acceptable to him. He tells exactly what he sees as perfect. And he doesn't do that just because he really cares that you are eating the right kind of grasshopper. He's doing it because he wants to make sure that we can be holy like he is holy. And the world that we live in, there is a whole world that we live in that says, no, no, this is perfect over here. This is perfect over here. Come see. God is telling us what is perfect. So the next time we read through the book of Leviticus, expect to get uncomfortable. Because it is calling us to holiness. And this may not sound very kind. Sometimes we don't like holiness. Sometimes holiness is uncomfortable. Sometimes holiness is maybe a little bit more awkward than we would really appreciate. Sometimes holiness is just not convenient. We like to protect our pursuits. We like to protect the things that we want to do. We don't want God to expose those things or call those things into light. The things that we do that displease him, he wants us to stop doing them. <laughs> Crazy. Like, so as a parent, the things that I don't like that, uh, that my children do, I, I make rules that tell them to stop doing them. And then, just like I did when I was a kid, some, when my kids don't do them, there's a consequence. There's, there's discipline that happens. And in doing that, let's jump back to church now, uh, we're becoming more holy. We're becoming more like Christ as we become more like Christ. We sometimes think that we're, we're mitigating the damage, that we're, we're minimizing our impact when we keep those things that maybe we don't want other people to know about private, when we keep the, that type of thing hidden. You are not going to mitigate damage by keeping anything private because it's damaging you. And God loves you. He cares about you. This is all about you. He died on a cross for you. So why do you think it matters if other people don't see it? 
when we read through the, the book of Leviticus, it is easy to say, man, God is harsh. <laughs> when you read through this and you, you see the consequences for, for people's disobedience, you see this is exacting. God is demanding. This is, this is a lot. And yes, it is demanding because this is what it means to be holy. And that is something that needs to be taken seriously. We are not without help. God, we want help to understand. Sometimes we don't see our unholiness. Sometimes we are so down deep in the things of this world that we don't even see. But God, we ask that you would reveal it to us. God, give me the heart to see through what you have called me to do. God, if there is something that is not pleasing to you, give me what I need to stop doing it. If there is something that that is pleasing to you, God, give me the grace to continue in it. God, we are are so often tired, we are so often weak, sometimes we feel like we don't have the energy to pursue what it is that you have called us to. God, would you give us the strength to do what you have called us to do? Lord, we come and we we seek out, we ask for your mercy, that mercy that is available available to me through the blood of Jesus Christ. God, give me the power to live in the way that you have called me to live. I want to be a living sacrifice. God, my, my prayer is that this book, this time that we're, we're looking at this book, but not just this book of Leviticus, Lord, but, but all of these different areas of Scripture, that we would move in that direction, that we would become more and more like you, that the renewal of our minds would, would lean to a clear discernment of what is pleasing, what is acceptable to you. God, your holiness demands my holiness. And I can only be holy through Jesus Christ. We thank you for the sacrifice that has been made for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like more information about Wood Street Chapel, check out our website, woodstreetchapel.org, or email us, info at woodstreetchapel.org. Connect with us on Facebook to stay in the loop.